Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. Such a solid intro. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I feel like uh, a Muppet saying, Thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah, dude. Like, uh, hey, okay. So, that who you heard, that's the Middle Earth Mixer, who many of you know because he's got millions of followers on Twitter. His uh, <laughs> comments are pithy and to the point and uh, sometimes a little bit cutting. And that's what we like. Uh, but it's a pleasure to have you here again. Dude, it's awesome to see you. Uh, you guys, like, uh, he's been on a few times with our, uh, like, we did an interview and I think a couple of uh, live streams back in the day when we had time, which apparently, if I had to say, you don't have as much of it now because I will say you are a new father, right? Yes, I am. Months yes, ago, I am. So thanks for taking the time at night and not sleeping through it because I'm sure. No, honestly, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on again. I love coming on your show because oh. uh, I don't get to, you know, my, my, my in-laws can only take so much of me talking <laughs> about this stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm sure they're talking deep into, you know, the meanings of fairy, what on fairy stories and uh, exactly. who the, what the problems with the rings of power are. Yeah. That's my, that's don't doesn't everyone i mean i think that's it (laughs) what's gonna we're gonna be the opposite of those in-laws to our kids like they're gonna be like you who are what are you talking about like (laughs) isn't it just a movie like an old movie from a long time ago no 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 uh all right oh sorry go ahead no no go ahead you're what i was just gonna say my wife's dad he uh he came up to me and he was like um he was like hey i i just want you to know i i listened to an episode of your podcast and and it sounds great I have no idea what you're talking about at all, whatsoever. I didn't make, I, I didn't make it through, but you sound good. And I was like, he's honest. Thank he's you. Honest. <laughs> Some people, that's all we can ask. Oh, man. I think it's like the, the episode of, um, is it Fingolfin and Fnarfin? Fin- One of the FNLs speaking with the woman about death and life and long life. What's that called? Oh, it's called oh, Afterbeth. Uh, yeah. yeah. Afterbeth. Yep. Right. And if you, you listen to that, you're Finrod like... Finrod and Andreth. Andreth. Thank you, Finrod. See, I'm one of the FNLs. I still can't. After reading through Silmarillion and going through the Unfinished Tales and some of the histories of Middle-earth, I still can't remember the names. I'm horrible with names. Okay. So, guys, we are on to um, number 14 of, I think I'm, my count is 220 of changes that are coming We're up. almost there. We're almost We're there. We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. A thorough oh list. Um, but these ones are, these ones are good. Base. These ones are deep. These ones are are like the, the the we're not talking about Legolas's shoes this time. We're not talking about Aragorn's dark clothing. We're actually talking about the change in character that is made to uh, three primary figures in the film: Saruman, Sauron, and Elrond. <clears throat> so we're going to jump into that. Before we do, I have to do the standard thing, guys. I've got to remind everybody: if you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to hear more of this stuff, if you want to see back ever again. So I can send him a cigar for at some point, maybe for for he joining us. Yeah. <laughs> become a sponsor. Uh, you can become a member at the wondering.com slash member. You get our extended podcast or this week we're going to talk more in detail about Sarah the Formless. We're going to get some questions from our, our Discord chat, which you can get, of course, only by becoming a member. Or if if you were wanting to, it to take it a step further, uh, like Harrison, Adam, and Lynn, you can become a sponsor who go above and beyond the $4 a month and uh, support us even more so go to the wondering.com slash member and uh join us there it's great to have the conversations with folks uh online and and hear what they think about the things we say and um how how right i am most of the time about all my takes on Tolkien. or or 
alternately, even if you would like to hate watch us or hate listen to us <laughs> and you want to join the Discord, we we yeah. we uh, we support that too. That's right. That's right. We're a, we're a tough bunch. We can take and, it. And um yeah. And you can give us a review on on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify anywhere else. So guys, we're going to jump into number 1, which is Sauron the Formless. I don't know how long they tortured him. Sauron has regained much of his former strength. He cannot yet take physical form, but his spirit has lost none of its potency. All right, for, for those of you listening uh, and not watching, what, what that last clip was was actually of the uh, spotlight great eye that we saw at the end of Return of the King on uh, the, the plains of Gorgoroth, where you see it actually like spotlight. Where it makes me laugh, where Sam and Frodo are like looking around like some sort of video game or something where you have to hide from. Uh, anyway, so the point of this is that uh, Tolkien, uh, Sauron is not formless in Tolkien's books, which you may actually find a surprise because he doesn't appear in his books as a character, really, as a formed character. But we know that he's not formless or that he has a form because Gollum in particular says he only has uh, four fingers on his black hand, but they are enough. This is when uh, he said the, he said this to Frodo at the Black Gate. Um, and so we know that Gollum, who was tortured in uh, Mordor, saw Sauron. He was there. Uh, <clears throat> and in fact, uh, Peter Jackson was going to make Sauron a character in the films, and he was going to fight Aragorn at the Black Gate uh, and decided at the last minute, this doesn't make any sense. We haven't seen him at all in the whole film. Uh, let's throw in a cave troll there instead. So we get uh, Sauron the Formless. He's just a great eye, which is, and this is maybe something we can talk about a little bit too. The eye is how Sauron represents himself to people in the Palantir and to people who see him outside of his form, right? As a great eye, an all-seeing eye. And not, but but it doesn't mean he has no form at all whatsoever. That said, it is true that at the end of the uh, at the end of the second age, when uh, when uh, uh, Elendil's sword, <coughs> sorry, Elendil's sword broke and Isildur took it up. Wait, am I, yeah, Isildur took it up. <laughs> I always forget those two. Uh, uh, Tolkien wrote, Sauron was for a time vanquished, and he forsook his body and spirit fled away, fled far away and hid in waste places, and he took no visible shape again for many long years. But notice again, he took no visible shape for many long years, which means that he eventually he took took shape again. So, this is Sauron Formless. Guys, what do, you, do you have anything to say about uh, Sauron and his formlessness? I feel like there isn't going to be much debate here, because I think we all kind of agree. I, I think that the um, it, it's always really fun. One of my favorite things to do is, first of all, show people the Lord of the Rings movies if they haven't seen them. Um, <clears throat> but one of my second favorite things to do is when someone has seen the Lord of the Rings movies and they're not Lord of the Rings fans... Um, just to be like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a giant eyeball, right? And they're like, what? You know, what was he then? Um, so I think, I think it, it's it's tough. It's tough because the Lord of the Rings movies formed me because mm -hmm. I was a you know I was a little kid when they came out, and that's what attracted me to Lord of the Rings. So I I feel protective of them almost, um, mm -hmm. and I don't think it was. 
I don't think it was the worst change that Peter Jackson made. I think that, like, we do know that Sauron represents himself as an eye in, in the books. And one of the things that I feel like I've, I see when I read the books is that whoever you're following throughout the entire journey, there's always this sense, particularly in the Fellowship of the Ring, you kind of feel it most deeply in there, in my opinion. <clears throat> there's always this sense that they are being watched along the way. Um, so I, I think that it was in the spirit of Sauron and Sauron's character and how Sauron likes to present himself to have him just be like, you know what, this is kind of difficult. It's we, we need to have some kind of thing to show the audience. Tolkien doesn't give us a description really of how he looks. So let's, let's just have him as he presents himself. So I think yeah. it was, whether you agree with it or not, I do think that objectively speaking, it was a good faith effort on Peter Jackson's yeah. part to try and represent this enemy that, you know, I, when you read the books, I think it's a good decision on Tolkien because you're left to your imagination to think about how evil this thing is. You know, there's something yeah. I love about that Golem but, quote, um, but where Golem says four fingers on his black hand. And then there's almost like a pause. You can like imagine a pause and him looking down and, and going, but they are enough, are enough. Hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I, I, like I suffered greatly, you know, and, and it's a, it's a very eerie fear of feeling. Whenever I see that quote, I remember the first time I read that quote, you're like, Oh man, you feel bad for a golem for a second. Yeah. Um, and, right. and it adds to the, the sense of dread that you get from Sauron. But I think in mm -hmm. a movie it's different. You know, you can't yeah. use your imagination in a movie. Yeah. There, there's just no doubt that, that this is not, lore friendly to get to our first question but i'm going i am going i am going to say something else about that which is because i'm going to read a passage which i find to be the best passage with regard to the eye of sauron um then this is from the the chapter called the passage of the marshes um and uh it's uh, frodo's um description and so he says it says he was now beginning to feel it that the it being um the ring as an actual weight dragging him earthwards but far more he was troubled by the I, capital I-E, so he called it to himself. It was that, more than the drag of the ring, that made him cower and stoop as he walked. The I, that horrible growing sense of a hostile will that strove with great power to pierce all shadows of cloud and earth and flesh and to see you, to pin you under its deadly gaze, naked, immovable. Hmm. So he's very specific the, the the eye is not a physical eye. He, it, we Frodo hasn't even seen an eye like a glowing fiery eye. All he has is this horrible growing sense of a hostile will that's trying to pin him down. He calls it the eye because it's trying to pierce all, everything and see within him and and pin him under its deadly gaze, as he says. So there is definitely no glowing fiery eyeball on the top of the tower looking around with a spotlight like um, persistence, but. I can also understand that when you have a medium like Jackson had and you have to put everything visually, how do you, how are you going to show that? How are you going to show yeah. this non like Frodo's description of it without actually having an eye? It's, this is one of those impossible things where you just can't, um, there's no way without having an actual physical yeah. eye in a movie <clears throat> for Jackson to describe what I just read from Frodo. You know, I, I was, um, uh, of course, yeah, for me, it's not more, more friendly, too. Uh, I would say that uh, I was on board with the eye until I saw it um, in, like, a banner between the spires of Barad-dur. And that, that that just felt so weird to me. Around. Yep. Yeah, like, it, it, if 
if it was less physical and more, I mean, may, maybe special effects, they couldn't do what they wanted to, but you know, something that was more ephemeral, but that was like a brooding doom that would sit over it. And occasionally people would glimpse this eye and it wasn't um, so forefront and clear every single time you looked at the big tower. Like, it was like, right. for, like, like a, go, like a mist, right? Like it's somehow there in the mist. And then when you, when it's wrath comes out, like there's a glimpse of it or something along those lines, or when it senses the <clears> ring, <throat> right? There's an eye that, but no, nothing that makes it sort of like the giant spotlight atop Barador. Right. At, at Almond Hand, it describes something like that. In the Palantir, it describes something like that. In when he's mm-hmm. in Umbri and the ring goes on, there's some, there's some sense of that. So I, I don't have a problem with the image of night. Like there, he could have even shown it as a as that fiery eye in the Palantir in Frodo's mind flashing. But I agree with you, Jonathan. The tethered eyeball, like glowing eyeball on the top of the tower, like bound and sh- and, and and shooting out light like a spotlight. Yeah. That's that's where the problem comes visually. So with mixer- grace, with grace, I would say no. It's not lore friendly. <laughs> what did you think? I want to having, with grace. <laughs> having uh, having seen the films before re- reading the books, what did you think of like when you saw the eye on the tower? Was it, was it effective for you? Because for me, oh, I thought it was yeah. Just goofy. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I I mean I had no other reference for what right. I thought Sauron was. So. Right. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I you you guys have both read the books before you watch the movies. Um, I felt even as a child um, it, that it was clear to me that this was like a spiritual form that he mm-hmm. had taken. So yeah. I, I think that like people make jokes about it being an eyeball. You know, it's become a meme. Um, yeah. But I, I mm-hmm. think that it's very clear to the audience. It gets communicated very proper that this is this is a this is an ethereal being, you know? Yeah. Um, I do kind of like, I like what you said, Jonathan, about how it's the, the fixation of it in that one area that kind of yeah. makes you go like, is he stuck there or <laughs> <laughs> is it just a you nice know? view or is it, I don't know if you if you're familiar with uh, the shadow games at all, but in the shadow games, it's actually, it's not just Sauron. It's a, uh, it's also uh, Celebrimbor's spirit is stuck there in in a forever conflict, and really creates. No, yeah, yeah, that. it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> those oh, games oh, are fun, no. though. Uh, they are yeah. fun, and yeah. still, Celebrimbor in the games still better than Celebrimbor in Rings yeah. of Power. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. All right, next question: Does the change make for better cinema? We were on you, Mixer, so you go ahead. We're start us off with: the, Do you think it makes for better cinema? Yes. to have it yes. as, as I'm going to go not with without the, a yes. form. Okay. Um, uh, oh, oh! Are, are we talking I or we're or? talking like without a form? Does making him without a form, without having a physical being like like that walks around that has four fingers, does it make for better cinema to not have him be physical like that? And we and to be fair, you know that is a think, tough question. While, while but the movies are it. such a success, so it's like <laughs> it's yeah, tough to, not to to be biased. Am I? Answer? To, I am gonna say yes. All right. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm uh, I'm really torn on this one. Because all right, me too. Let's talk about the Michael. tethered eyeball does not make for better cinema. It makes it makes that's but why that's not the question. That's exactly, but it's part of his formlessness. As 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 Mixer pointed out, there this is the way Jackson is showing him as a kind of spiritual being. It's like this this sort of glowing force atop atop Baradur, and so and and as I we've said before. This is a visual medium, right? Cinema is a visual medium. So you have mm-hmm. to do a lot of things in cinema that you that you can do without being visually obvious in a book. Um, so so does it make for better cinema? And I actually, if I could just, I know we 
I know the Hobbit movies, uh, they really get raked over the coals, but I do think that Peter Jackson actually um, like perfected his portrayal of Sauron in the Hobbit movies, because in the Hobbit movies, um, when the when the White Council goes to Dol mm. Guldur, they actually have Sauron kind of walk out in like a a spirit version of his bodily Dark Lord form. And I thought, and and they actually had another part of the movie where he's just kind of appearing as this like ethereal black smoke. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was like. Mm. It was such a good move by Jackson to kind of further his explanation of where he was going yeah. with the Sauron character. Um, and I think obviously he had I'll more, grant you that. Yeah, I'll he had more that. special effects and like, stuff at his dis- yeah. at his disposal with the Hobbit right. movies so he could do more. But right. um, Yep. All right. I agree. So, I agree that in, in the Hobbit movies, he, he there you, there are limited pieces of the Hobbit movies which are, are effective. And I agree with that. You know, we're just left with a problem, right? The problem, Jonathan, is that Tolkien is very so, clear. Look, very clear yeah. that there's a physical form for Sauron. He just never shows it to us, so we never we never see it in the books. I, I, I agree. So here's here's let, let, I'm going to read you a quote. This is from Peter Jackson's book, Peter Jackson, Fil- a filmmaker's journey. I think that's what it's called. Um, and uh, this was written regarding how they were going to originally have Sauron come out and fight Aragorn at the Black Gate. Hmm. Uh, and uh, this is the this is an official biography, so everything said in here was apparently you know, was cleared by Jackson, uh, and they, he was interviewed many times for this for this book. So, when this final one on one battle was conceived, long before we started shooting anything, one of our perceived problems stemming from our reluctant hero image of Aragorn was that in building him up to a point where he was finally prepared to take on his kingly mantle and yet not have a showdown with the ultimate villain, we, who we'd also been building up, felt like a mistake because they were going to create this villain. And I'm just kind of going back here as a supercharged version of his appearance during the fire, during his fight with Ellen Dill. So I guess bigger spikes, bigger, uh, you know, um, uh, like uh, the boots are going to be huge, enormous anti-elf boots and uh, shoes. And, and, uh, and so anyway, like they, they, they knew that they had a problem. And I think the problem is that, you know, we, we've said this before in our earlier podcast is that Tolkien wasn't a professional novel writer, like a professional novel, novel, Novel novelist. writer would have said, "When well, novelist, yeah, thank you. That's a much better way of saying it." Uh, <laughs> would have would have looked at this and gone, "Like, oh man, I, like, I gotta have him fight the big bad. We gotta have a confrontation." But that's not that's not what Tolkien did. And um, and I think I, I think Jackson, I think his portrayal of um, Sauron could have been better. But I think the change of not of not just having him one time in the film as a corporeal, like it would have felt really weird for him to die far away as an actual physical being, not with his army in front. That would have felt really awkward because that's if they would have kept it with, with Tolkien, right? If they would have originally said like that. And to have him not fight anybody throughout the entire films through nine hours of movies would have felt incredibly uh, anticlimactic. Like, oh, oh, he's here all of a sudden and now he's gone. So I think they did the right thing. And maybe it's like they could have done it without it, but I still think they kind of did the right thing. They just portrayed it poorly, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm a reluctant yes as well. I just I don't see how Jackson could have done much. I mean, I don't like the tether die, but I, but you know he's got to give him Sauron something visual visual because it's a visual medium. He chooses a way that you know because once you put a physical body in on him. Um, people are going to expect to see him more there. It's, there's just going to be, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. I don't I've envy, always, I don't envy Jackson, his job in this regard. I've always liked, I don't know if you've seen some of the more um, <clears throat> like, like horror depictions of Sauron and Morgoth online, but a lot of times people in their bodily form 
will have um, Morgoth or Sauron with these helms that just completely cover their eyes. Um, and I've always really liked that idea, like them not being physically restrained by the normal things that, uh, you know, hmm. people with physical bodies who have eyeballs are restrained by. Like, I've always I've always liked the idea of like, here's this this form of a dark Lord that they're taking, but they don't necessarily need to see out of eyeballs, you know, because they're a spirit. So they can maybe see out of, you know, their That's essence or their yeah. being. Um, so I think that like, I think the eye, my, my main problems with the eye come up and, and you've made the, I feel basic now cause you've already mentioned the spotlight, but there's something <laughs> about the spotlight that makes it seem so restricted and tethered. Like mm, if he's a giant eyeball, he should be able to see from both directions, you know, <laughs> like it shouldn't be limited by like, Oh, like I, I need to look around and, and, and panic to try, you know, and really in the crucial that. moment, uh, at the black gate, that was a big problem for me because that moment of like whatever half a second where the eye is searching for something around Mount Doom and and there's this 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 actually occurred in the book like he, the eye is searching for for Frodo and Sam as they're crawling up Mount Doom, um, but in the movie it's like a literal spotlight like my kids play this game called German Spotlight where they you know, one kid stands in the backyard with the flashlight and turns around and everyone else has to there's all these obstacles and everyone has, else has to try to it's like red light green light they have to try to get mm -hmm. to the person with this with the flashlight who turns around suddenly and try to just shine it and find people and if you, he finds you with the spotlight then you're out of the game and 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 it felt like that it felt like German Spotlight to this you know, because then then you know Aragorn does his line at the black gate and then the eyeball literally like what what looks up over you know the spotlight moves to like look across the the um you know udun um towards the black gate and and i just it's it was too i mean the lego movies got it right with m making fun of it at that point yeah. yeah it's true it's true all right so now that we we've we've hashed it out how much do you like the change now this is on a scale of 1 to 5 no zeros here i'm sorry because I would have had a couple of those already, uh, but on a scale of one to five, and you can do one point one or six, five point, or sorry, four point two or something. You can go that far. So, how much do you like the change? How much do you like the change? Um, so I, I say this with no level of I think it it was done better than the books. That's not what I'm saying. I think for the movie, I would say mm -hmm. I like the change, and I'd give it a four. Four. So that's room. There's one room for improvement. Four. And that's mm -hmm, simply because mm -hmm. I could not even begin to fathom uh, a better way of doing it. Yeah, I think they were put in a really tough spot with how Tolkien wrote the books. And I think if there was a one more, if there was one more battle, if there was one more scene even of what Sauron was to the Fellowship as an actual physical character, meaning he would have to take on some sort of battle by himself. If he would have been the one who went to, uh, you know, Gondor at some point uh, and fought at the, the walls of Minas Tirith or something, right? There, if he would have involved them, like that, that would have made more sense. But I think the change was appropriate. Um, out of uh, my duty to my purism, I can't give it a 4.0, so I, I will give it a 3.9, that I think it was the right change to make. Hmm. Michael. I'm gonna, I'm a little Grounds. lower than that. I'm I'm a somewhat above ambivalent on it because I because of the, my dislike of the eyeball. But but I, I, I'm not judging it based on how they did the eyeball. I'm judging it that they didn't make him into a character in the films that had arms and legs. 
and yeah, but, four fingers. But why would they do that? Like if they had done that, I would have hated them for that. So so <laughs> there was a you know tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, uh, I'm thinking of specifically of the battle with Aragorn at the gate, at the Black Gate. That would have been a total yeah. departure from the books. Um, Tol- Tolkien tells us that clearly that Sauron has a body, but he doesn't ever show it to us. So so the fact that they have to do something visual um, at 3.8, I'm close to you guys, but I'm not. All right. Wow. So, so, you, uh, you're clairvoyant. Oh, 3. Point asterisk. 3.8, you're clairvoyant. <laughs> it's a big you asterisk. Said, you thought we would all have the same mind, and this is about as, uh, yeah, same as, as close as we've ever been. Yeah, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are very wow. close. <clears throat> all right. So Sauron the Formless, yeah, good idea. Seems to work out okay, except for the freaking stupid eyeball at the top. Suspended. Spot, like spotlight eyeball is no good. But, spotlight uh, eyeball. <laughs> Everything else fine. <laughs> all right. We're on to the next change. This one we call Elrond the Unbeliever. And Saruman, you tell me, has betrayed us. Our list of allies grows thin. We do not have the strength to fight both Mordor and Isengard. Who will you look to when we've gone? The dwarves? They hide in their mountains seeking riches. They care nothing for the troubles of others. Men. Men are weak. The race of men is failing. I was there the day the strength of men failed. There's no strength left in the world of men. A scattered, divided, leaderless. There is one who could unite them. One who could reclaim the throne of Gondor. He turned from that path a long time ago. All right, if you're not depressed to be a man at this point after hearing <laughs> Elrond speak about the cis-heteronormative problems in Middle-earth with men, uh, then, uh, then you're better man than i no so <laughs> elrond clearly <laughs> has some issues with men and apparently dwarves uh he was scarred by the ring not being cast into mount doom he was uh he raised up aragorn and told him don't be the king there is no kingdom of arnor which we'll talk about at some point in the future how somehow arnor just doesn't exist in the films uh but this i just want to read this is how when frodo first saw elrond just so that we know this is this is tolkien's uh how Tolkien calls Elrond and visually he, uh, uh, Frodo sees him so this is from uh one Frodo for season in Rivendell the face of Elrond was ageless neither old nor young though in it was written the memory of many things both glad and sorrowful his hair was dark as the shadows of twilight and upon it was set a circlet of silver his eyes were gray as a clear evening and in them was a light like the light of stars venerably venerable he seemed as a king crowned with many winters and yet hail as a tried warrior in the fullness of his strength he was the lord of rivendell and mighty among both elves and men all right michael this is your favorite we didn't call it elrond the constipated because i think that was my that might be a little bit of a turn too far what do you think all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna harken back to a couple an episode we did a couple times, or maybe it was last time because we do three at a time, four at a time. Um, that's uh, our episode on Aragorn where we talked about Aragorn the Reluctant King, and I had a great problem at that point because, and and especially egregious is the quote from that you just played from Elrond about that that it says that Aragorn turned from that path long ago. In fact, in the books, it's the exact opposite. Elrond has been preparing Aragorn. He's been Aragorn's father, surrogate father, and he's been preparing Aragorn for the mantle of kingship. His, you know, we talked about how Arwen's been working on a, the banner for 38 years, that, that banner that the rangers carry, um, mm-hmm. and, and that gets unfurled. Um, er, Elrond is fully supportive. He had Anduril crafted while Aragorn was in Rivendell. 
the strength of men is what Elrond is looking forward to in the books. He's he's seeing that men, the strength of men, namely the strength of the Numenorians that are left, um, who, you know, technically, of course, Aragorn is his great, 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 23 greats nephew, um, because, uh, you know, his brother Elros was the yeah. first high king of, um, of the men. And, and so there's a, there, it, it's, they've totally flipped it. El, 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 you know, Elrond is now has now become this doubter of men. And there's one more quote I would point out, and it is to um, when Elrond is talking to Arwen in the movies, and he says um, to her when she's she wants to stay, and he says, "There's nothing for you here, only death." And the problem is like. That's also exactly the opposite. He knows that Arwen. I'm not saying he isn't sad that Arwen Undomiel is not going with him to the to the Blessed Lands at the end. I'm saying that he knows this is her fate, and she's been preparing for it for nigh on four decades. And he supports the plan. It's the exact opposite. Elrond is the facilitator of the return of the king, literally the return mm-hmm. of the king. And and so that's why I find this particular change so egregious. Why did you think after after reading the book after seeing the films mixer did you think like this isn't the same character or did it strike you as oh, different? Yeah, or? it's um it, I mean it's not the same character at all. I I completely agree with everything Michael just said. I think um although I, I really like Hugo Weaving and you know I like the success of his character quote unquote with the Lord of the Rings. I I'm glad that the movies were very successful and I liked his character growing up. But then when you you know you go back and you look at all the lore and you're like this is really messed up that he's saying all these things because, you know, Elrond is Aragorn's biggest cheerleader throughout the entire story. You know, there's never a moment where he's not supporting him in this thing that he does want to do. Um, And I actually, uh, for the middle earth mixer podcast, check it out folks. (laughs) If you haven't already, I'll put a link Um, below. (laughs) uh, I actually just, I'm uh, I still have to edit it, but um, I just did my podcast on the Angmar wars. Uh, which is a nice. huge, nice. like, like I remember when I was a kid and I had that game, um, the Battle for Middle-Earth 2, Rise of the Witch King. It was like, I was a huge nerd for, like, that story. Um, and when you realize Elrond's role in protecting um, the heirs of the last king, Arvidui, and how he worked hand-in-hand with the chieftains to... Uh, not only police the North, but prepare them for their eventual eventual return to their former power. Um, you know, that's something that he was present for that entire time. So it's not just something that he was working to, to in Aragorn's life. He was working towards it for, you know, well before Aragorn yeah. was even born. Um, right. He sends his own sons with the uh, with the the gray company to to go and bring the banner to Aragorn when Aragorn unfurls it at the the stone of Eric. Um, This is like, you know, he was willing to lay his own sons down to, to get that, um, that item that declared Aragorn's legitimacy um, to him. So, Sons that are sadly cut from the movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Well, sons and also the Rangers, right? You think yeah, Aragorn no is Rangers. the Ranger. He's the lone yeah. Ranger in this movie. He, there there <laughs> are no other There's Rangers. No Rangers. Right? He's a Ranger a, at Barlow and Butterbur. He's a Ranger. He's one of the Rangers, whatever they fighting. are. <laughs> them? <Yeah. laughs> but uh, apparently those are his pronouns is them because them. you know that's, that's, he's the only one there is. But uh, yeah, that, that was and my sons uh, I've always hated that because they love Eladon and Elro here like the characters that even though they they only play small parts they don't have many lines but the, it's so cool that they 
or these sons of Elrond have been spending, you know, they're, they're scouts for Elrond. They've been working with the Rangers. They've been fighting the forces of evil in the Misty Mountains. And of course, they're with Elrond. I'm sorry, they're with Aragorn in the Paths of the Dead, through the Paths of the Dead, and and, and, and through Gondor. So, yeah. And it's also yep. like kind of a, a very, um, you know, haughty thing of him to claim. You, you have the... You have the DNA of men running through your veins, and you you sit here and you. Uh, <laughs> there's strength. There's no strength yeah. left in men. You know, it's a very. It's just a, if you understand who Elrond is. Who Elrond is? You're yes. just confused by these statements. Elrond, half Elven. Yes. Yes. And the other half. What's being? the other half? <laughs> What's the other half, Elrond? You know, and it's why, why he's balding. Is the other half? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still in. Okay, so when I saw the films too, I I I, I just I couldn't get out of my mind the phrase mr anderson because, <laughs> the, the matrix had come out a year before and he yep. was hugo me weaving was known as agent smith in the matrix like uh, far beyond anything else right so he, you saw elrond and i saw agent smith and i was like oh that just that doesn't didn't strike me as right for him particularly when the whole idea that he's he was lord of rimadel and mighty among both elves and men he was hailed as a tried warrior in the fullness of the, like he Tolkien describes him as a warrior not as as a guy cowering uh, at the thought of what am I going to do with Sauron? Oh no, we got nothing here. What are we going to do? Gandalf, help me! Right? It's I just uh, he just didn't strike me. I saw somebody guy. else talking about this on YouTube. Um, like, I forget the the channel name, but he was talking mm -hmm. about the quote where it says that uh, Elrond is as, as uh, he's warm and he's as kind as summer. You know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you. You don't get that from Hugo Weaving. Yeah. No, the no. Movie at all. Hugo no. Weaving is many things, but not warm and as kind as summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. All right. So let's ask that first question. Uh, is it lore friendly? Okay, guys, I'll start there. It's a big no. No, it's not lore friendly. This one, I think we can kind of all agree on again. Every, every once in a while, I get a, I try to convince Jonathan to write an HN for hell no, but uh, he but, won't do it. So Yeah. Fonts are too, too big. Won't fit. <laughs> uh, all right so uh i don't know what else we can say we just talked about it so is it more friendly no it's not more friendly so let's move on does the change make for better cinema michael nope no no nope. wow. makes for way worse cinema because because of elrond's and, and it starts with that quote that you wrote that you read um aloud about the description of elrond he's yeah yeah a, a great point from like from somebody my, my wife actually made this point um She's a woman, you know, she's like a Lord of the Rings layman. Um, you know, the, these scenes were put in there to kind of add to this like Aragorn Arwen storyline and create story tension, tension there yeah. and conflict. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something my wife said, she's like, man, you know, the scenes with Aragorn and Arwen, there's, they're like the most boring ones. <laughs> and so it's like, even to somebody who, like oh we have this love story tension angle that we want to add in for you know the normal people just didn't work. Um, even the normal people you, hate it so let me ask a question then do you think so that they 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 approached the aragorn elrond arwen story this way they said okay elrond is going to be the one who's going to uh inject the doubts into arwen about like can he be king and all that what if they would have done it this way and had arwen not know like be be one she wasn't sure if she could stick with Aragorn because she wasn't sure if he could be king. And if Elrond would have been the one who's like, no, he's ready. I have seen him. I have trained him. Your sons, your brothers, they fought with him. If they would have taken that approach, it might have made their relationship, I think, a little more interesting in that like, she sees what he can be, but it's still hard for her to um, give him over to being a king because she's not known him as not a king for her whole life so far. I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
I think that would. Yeah, be I, th- <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I see it. Certainly, yeah. it wouldn't have dragged Elrond's character through the mud. And there's right. room. There's room to. I mean, Arwen always believed in Aragorn, so you wouldn't. I guess yeah. that would be a disadvantage. Uh, I know. You're, you're character, in the, from you're the books, the like I keep saying, 39 years she's been making this standard. Um, so so she believe, the standard yeah. is the standard of the King of Gondor. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So how much how much do you like the change, guys? Remember, it's a scale of one to five, not zero yeah. to five. Michael, you start us off. This was yours to... Uh, yeah, this is this this is hitting about the lowest that I give any any score. This is because because of the change and and because it's so opposite. It isn't just that it's changing Elrond; it's the literal opposite of what Elrond is like in the book. So oh, it isn't yeah. just changing like he's slightly different, like we talked about or last week about Gimli being changed from this grim, dour warrior dwarf to a comedic, you know, comic relief. Um, that's not the opposite because he is still a grim warrior as well as being comic relief. But, but this case it's opposite. So I I'm uh, sadly going to have to go with like a 1.1. 1. 1. Well, Probably the point 1.1 1. 1 is just because I do like Hugo. Weaving, 0.1. So, yeah. I'll give, I won't give it the absolute that, lowest score. That's almost as low. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. I, there's one that would, uh, that would give lower. So we're going to go 1.1. 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, That's how much you love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, 1.1. 1. 1. It's yeah. Yeah. There's, it's not the worst, but boy, he's not the same. He's not the character that, you know, that, that Tolkien created in my own head and that Tolkien wrote about. So no, nowhere, nowhere near. Yeah, it. It's about the worst. I, I'm going to go even less than you guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with a one. Uh, and that's because even though I do like Hugo Weaving, I you know I, I, I wasn't one. I wasn't super obsessed with the Matrix movies like everybody else was when they were a kid. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, I don't feel weird about hitting okay. him with a one there. All right, okay. So uh, for those of you just listening to this, Jonathan has just changed his answer to a negative one so that he can. I can be the lowest. He can maintain the purest um, mantle. Uh, that's funny. One point one. I like. It's funny because the reason I say one point one is because uh, there's there's one that's lower, and if I can't. I have to go lower on the one uh, the ones that I hate even more. But yes, yeah. This I, is, I, I, I can start low. Two I mean, other changes that I'm going to go lower than that, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's about it. It is, is about the worst because of the character change is so opposite to to the book character. Yeah. All right. Well, this isn't the only character change. Of course, we have Saruman to go through, and this one we call Saruman. The Sith Apprentice. Against the power of Mordor, there can be no victory. We must join with him, Gundam. The power of Isengard is at your command, Sauron, Lord of the Earth. Build me an army worthy of Mordor. It's Darth Vader to the Emperor. That's really what it feels like. That's why we called it the Sith Apprentice. I mean, look at this shot of him cowering almost. Uh, and this was one of those little things when I saw the films, it did not seem like Saruman to me to see him as this coward. Because in the book, Sar- Saruman is made to be, yes, he understands that like, he gives in to, to Sauron's evil, but he also, he's, he's not doing it as just a vassal. He has an idea that um, there is more, like he can take power eventually too. So let me read a couple quotes uh, from what Saruman says to Gandalf when Gandalf sees him and, and uh, Saruman uh, imprisons him at the top of Orthanc. So, Are we so, talking book quotes or movie book quotes? Book quotes, book quotes, Thank juxtaposing you. this. Yes, book quotes. Um, 
This is Saruman to Gandalf. I said we, for we it may be, if you will join with me. A new power is rising against it. The old allies and policies will not avail us at all. There is no hope left in elves or dying Numenor. This then is one choice before you, before us. We may join with that power. If we, It would be wise, Gandalf. There is hope that way. Its victory is at hand and there will be rich reward for those that aided it as the power grows. Approved friends will also grow and the wise such as you and I may with patience come at last to direct its courses, right? With patience, like we can bide our time and we can eventually take over. To control it, we can bide our time. Oh, he just wrote that. Sorry, I didn't realize. We can bide our time. We can keep our thoughts in our hearts, deploring maybe evils, maybe evils done by the way, but approving the high and ultimate purpose. Ends justifies the means. Knowledge, rule, order, all the things that we have so far striven in vain to accomplish, hindered rather than helped by our weak or idle friends. There need not be, there would not be any real change in our designs, only in our means. And then when Gandalf essentially says, you know, well, what about the ring? And like, should, will you take it? He's like, why not? The ruling ring? If we could command that, then the power would pass to us. So Peter Jackson, in my opinion, made a mistake with Saruman in that um, Saruman is not just a lackey of, of Sauron. He is someone who has his own conniving ways in order to gain power because he has been studying these rings for how many thousands of years at this point. And uh, he has been taken in by them, whether the, that's the rings doing it or whether it's his own failings. Uh, and so it, it, he came across to me in the first couple films as not the same character, as less of a, of a villain even than he was in the books. Uh, and that, that's my initial take on it. Not, not the same guy. What do you guys think? I have a lot of thoughts on this one, and I'm oh. also going to have a scathing rebuke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, it, my rebuke is with Grace because it's, it, it's a cinematic format, and you can only fit so much in um, as far as like when it comes to motivations to people. <laughs> well, I think one of the most important things about Saruman's character is that I like to divide uh, Tolkien's villains into the different kinds of evil that he's trying to portray, right? And mm. Tolkien said himself in, in one of his letters that, um, I don't, I forget the exact wording, but it's something like, uh, I don't see many Saurons in the world today, but I see plenty of uh, Saurons. Um Saruman is presenting a very specific kind of evil, one that we definitely see in, you know, those who would profess to be our overlords and to know what is good for us and to basically want us to just shut up and listen to, you know, the the big people are talking. The big people are talking. That's that's the kind of uh, villain Saruman is this um he wants to seize power and use it for what he is at least telling himself is a good reason. And, um, you know, he wants to do it through non-traditional means. He wants to do it but under the guise of progress, right? Because Saruman is way more interested in, you know, Sauron wants to rule. Sauron wants to order the world in, in a way that he sees fit. Mm -hmm. Saruman wants progress. Saruman wants to, um, see how far technology can go and to see how far industry can go and, and to um, build the world in a way that he sees fit, but differently from Sauron. Um, and I think that that's his specific motivations and his specific goals are different. And it makes him a much more interesting and not just interesting, but relevant villain to villains that we face in our world today and i won't get too into that because then i can get political and i don't want to do that but they're they're real you know they're out there Sar saruman is a monster to be explored and to be studied and i think that 
um, he was just a shell of what he actually is in the books, in the movies. In the movies, he's more of a this servant, uh, the cowering and, yeah. and doing everything that Sauron wants him to do. You know, we we get maybe a taste. Like you might think to yourself, "Oh, I wonder what his maybe he wants to be." Maybe he he wants to be the guy himself because you get the quote from Gandalf where he says, "There's only one Lord of the Ring, and he doesn't share power." Um, but that's it's pretty much it. You're really left to speculate what Saruman's real goals are. Uh, and right. in the books, you have a much more fleshed out character who's not only bad, but he's bad for very specific and relevant reasons that we can draw extremely important lessons from. So right. that's a really I, good I, point. I, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I really, I really like that mixer. Um, I like the, the distinction of the kind of evil that Saruman is portraying from in the from the pen of Tolkien and Jonathan your quote was the perfect one about him you know the ends his ends justify the means speech and we see um what his ends are actually and interestingly we see even in his defeat what his ends are because we have the scouring of the shire which never appears in the movies so what what does what does the mind of saruman envision for the world well you have the Shire, which is this r- idyllic rural place scoured of all the trees, but industry is there. Like the mill has been b- built up and, you know, there's, there's sort of these soulless, but industrial buildings or for, for that era of the world anyway. Um, and, and so progress, right. That's the, that's the, um, that's the vision. And I'll, I would remind our viewers that it was only Sauron's forces that had the kind of blasting fire that could take down the walls of Helm's Deep. Um, so, also, Saruman is better at breeding orcs than Sauron is. His orcs are the best orcs. The Urukai mm-hmm. are the are the, the 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 best fighting orcs in the world. Once Saruman puts his mind to it, so progress, improvement, um, always in a in a mechanical and deadly way, fashion. But um, but that's that's his vision, and also and I think that for Tolkien, it seems like he was probably a much more real villain, like Sauron. I, I am actually going to connect our two the last episode in this one or the two episodes ago in this one, which is the one with um, Sauron. Sauron the Formless. I, I suspect there might have even been a reason. Like Sauron the Formless, why doesn't he appear with his physical form in the books? Why is why is Sauron never walking around um, in the in the, the the three books? Well, in a way, Sauron represents this like epic evil. He, he just represents the will to dominate. He isn't even a physical person. Like I mean, he is. We know he is because the books say that he has four fingers, for example. But mm-hmm. but he in the in narratively nothing physical about him. He's just he's he's just this poor force in yeah. the background which sends the armies forth. Saruman. Now there's a personality you can really dig into and and understand his evil in a way, and you get a different vision even from Sauron's evil. So I, I like that. Uh, yeah and his his evil is very it's it's visceral and almost relatable you know mm -hmm. because there's moments that you get where saruman is is vulnerable you know like when um when when the speech happens uh when when theoden approaches him and and he basically is like what is the house of errol but a a thatch barn where brigands drink in the reek um you know that's he's using his voice there he's using Mm -hmm. real methods that we can wrap our heads around and he's almost successful you know in that almost, moment yeah. at <laughs> at demoralizing uh our crew of heroes 
Um, and then you see him on the road, you know, with uh, with Grima. And he's very, like, pathetic coming off like an old beggar. And then he's able to somehow kind of, Still. Um, y- you know, not rise from the ashes, but he's able to put together, you know, piece together this pathetic, you know, scouring of the Shire. It's all very, it's all very real. It's all very visceral. You kind of, like... And you connect you, with him, not in that you right. like his character, but you see his vulnerability. Yeah. It is believable in that regard. Um, and, and, even, and he even compliments Frodo um, on the road uh, at the, at the at, in the Return of the King at the end, where he says, "You've grown." Hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, and and so you you really see you see this, um, but but he of course ends up being just this. Fo- I mean, he's given himself to evil, so so he's evil to the end. Um, but nevertheless, like you mentioned, Mixer, he has a lot of nuance to him. All right, Jonathan, your turn. He does. Um, well, two things. One, I think that they, they actually like by, by not making him want the ring for himself in the films. I think that was just a mistake. Like they, they, that he was so they couldn't make him like D- Darth Vader. Uh, didn't like he killed the emperor in the end, but you know Saruman doesn't well, do that. Only but, as his act of redemption does he kill right, the emperor in the end. Right. Uh, but but Saruman is making a play for the ring, like the Urukai. Yeah. There, there. The, the 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 tension of the three bands of orcs following the death of Boromir is the ten, like the orcs of the Misty Mountains and the orcs of uh, Mordor and and Saruman's Urukai. So he's making a play for the ring. He wants yeah. the ring. That's right. And they could have leaned into that. So that's number one. Uh, number two is that this whole Darth Vader idea actually uh, was written about in a treatment that Peter Jackson got back from Miramax because they felt that if they didn't make Saruman into the primary villain, into a villain that was related to Sauron, it wouldn't work. Like just like particularly related to him. And that if, if they were defeated by Saruman, it was like being defeated by Sauron, right? That was like where they were going. And so this also comes from. So they leaned into the equal sign is what you're saying. They're like trying to draw the equal sign between them. So he's just the apprentice. Yeah villain okay so notes from an early treatment given by Miramax in 1998 when he was getting notes of this here and and some of these jackson took to heart which was cut or rework the role of saruman on a quote use him or lose him principle meaning like you can't you can't have two villains in the one film like this or one major story uh making him a more effectively the villain of the piece make him the darth vader to sauron's emperor and that's verbatim from the from the notes from Miramax. so they took that to heart they, they really mm. did make him more of an apprentice rather than the one who wanted to who wanted the ring for himself. And they could, I don't know, they could have leaned into that. All right. So let's um let's talk about the whole is it lore friendly, guys? Are we broken records here? Are we thinking that it's lore friendly? I'll start this time. No, it is not lore friendly to make him just the vassal of, Sa- of Sauron. I feel like and that also here's the thing: like the difference between Saruman and Gandalf. Gandalf was there to guide the peoples of Middle Earth, and Sauron wanted to control them. And I think they could have like they they show him controlling Grima, right? They they, they they like you were talking about his voice, right? You lose that. The only voice you get is freaking Karadras, <laughs> right down there, whatever he said. Which um, is going to be another video of ours, is the, yeah, the, and I'm just the, like, the, the on, switcheroo, yeah. Like that's that's the strength of his voice, and the battle we get is not is not in the coercion that he tries over the peoples of Middle Earth. He coerces them, whereas Gandalf guides them. He literally has a freaking wizards battle in the middle of the the, the hollow center of Orthanc, and I'm. Anyway, well, you can see my frustration. We're getting into not, that. So, not there yet. So, not lore friendly. Michael, lore friendly. Yeah, oh, no. no. yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, Anna. I to me, it's actually it, there is an angle where I can say it's close to a yes because they're trying to lean into him as vassal of Sauron because, yeah. in a sense, he was Sauron's vassal. Like mm-hmm. the ring wraiths had him under their thumb whenever they appeared. It's just that he was willing to make a ploy, a play for right. to be Lord of the Rings 
by taking the one ring when they were, when they weren't there. So I can see that there it's a kind of, it, but it's but it changes too much. We never get that nuanced view that I think uh, Mixer gave a great um, explanation exp, uh, uh, exposition on, and um, and so yeah, it's not lore friendly in that regard. Yeah, Saur- Sauron was way more interesting in the books. Yeah, I saw your thumbs down, Mixer. That's they, yeah. you're on board with that. Yeah, All it's right. like it, it's like the cop out is like, oh well. Saruman feigned that he was a vassal, um, but we never get the fame in the movies. You know, we never, yeah, we right, never yeah. really have a, a whiff of independent thought coming from that Saruman, shot of so. him that you saw early here, earlier of him like huddled in his yeah, white cloak, yeah, yeah, like yeah. small. And then the the uh, the orc comes in and is like, "What would you have us do, my lord?" And he's like, "Great, great army." And I'm like, "Oh, but you're just repeating what Sauron said, and you're just this minor little character." Well, I mean, the him. orc literally says, uh, "What orders from Mordor?" Oh, that's right, he does. He does. Yeah. Yep. So Saruman mm-hmm. doesn't. He isn't even lord of his own. Yeah. So, place, yeah, so it's his, like he doesn't even. Yeah. His own people don't even really see him as the big bad, right. uh, which so we does... know it's not true. So, and by the way, you know, Christopher Lee did a fantastic job leading it. He was given a character to play and he like he, he does a great job with the characters and certainly got character. the voice down. I mean, oh, yeah, I yeah, can't think was... of anybody else playing Saruman. Yeah, that's yeah. that's he was a 10 if out of 10. Only they would have leaned more into that voice and made it something special. Exactly. All right. So, uh does it make for better cinema mixer? Um No. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with the uh, yeah. the studios on this one. I think he would have been fine um, as an interesting kind of I might go my own way character. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been more interesting if if he would have been the one to say I want the ring, make it a little more clear that he's making a play for the hobbits because he wants the ring. He knows that there's the ring to be gotten at this point. That uh, that if he can get it, he will have more power than than Sauron. So I. I I feel like it would have made him a more interesting character and it would have made the stakes even higher because he's not just he's 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 not just Sauron's message boy, right? Yeah. He's not a messenger kid. Uh Michael, does it make for better cinema? Oh, totally makes it for better cinema. Nope. Yes, Warren. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, it's capitals, right? I got I got Yeah, no. I, I, this font doesn't have doesn't have an exclamation point. <laughs> no, I guess not. I can't do an exclamation okay. point. Uh, no, it does not. No, guys. I guess sorry. We're all on board here. Sorry to disappoint y'all, but go read the books if you think we're wrong. Solomon Sith really Apprentice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So how much how much do you like the change? Hey, I got to go to you first, Mixer, because you you are the first. Okay, you are the first one as we go through two hundred and some odd changes in the Lord of the Rings. To actually give it the lowest possible rating uh, in our last <laughs> change with Elrond's change, so I'm really curious where do you where do you want to land here? Well, see, because this is the tough one because it's like, am I am I rating Christopher Lee's performance as Saruman, nope. or am I just talking about the change? You're talking about the change. You're okay. talking about. And I'm going to give it another one because I Woo. this one is personal to me because I feel like again, I'm not a I'm not a fantasy fan. I am now through, mm-hmm. you know, Tolkien and, and the things that C.S. Lewis has written and, and that, that I love so much. Uh, it's it's bring me to places that I wouldn't have gone before. Um, but what I love really is what are the philosophical lessons that these men were trying to teach us and, and where does it perforate into the modern world? And I think that Saruman is an even more important villain than Sauron is. Um, so to do a disservice mm-hmm. to his character in the movies and not reflect the specific type of evil that Tolkien was trying to show us, yeah. um, you know, that I hate yeah. the change. They, they could have made Sauron more complex in the films by adding Halbrand. 
<laughs> yeah, Char- Charlie Vickers would have been good there. That would have been great because you know it would have been an important character there because of we course, known, like that he's after their jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's because everything because because there can't be any real anxieties but, uh, in a population unless it's economic. Everything has yeah. to be understood through haves and have-nots. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes exactly. It depends exactly. on where you're where you're on the scale of oppression is how good or how bad you are. That's exactly. Exactly. You uh, know, something you just said, Mixer, reminds me of a, a familiar criticism that. Um, I've been dealing with since I was a kid about Tolkien and I've heard written about so many times. It's often claimed that in Tolkien, um, the, 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 the goodies are too good and the baddies are too bad that there's, there, it's just two dimensional. It's simple black and white. You have the good guys and you got the bad guys. Now, clearly people that are saying that don't take the book seriously because when you read about Boromir, for example, like, that's there's so much you read about Denethor, for example, um, you read about. But Saruman is another example of that. Mm-hmm. We, we see from the books and Jonathan's quote that he wants order. He wants he's even told himself. I mean, maybe he's lying to Gandalf in a way, but um, probably is in some way. But he's also probably told himself this truth, this enough that he desires this kind of order um, and progress and we, I see the nuanced view of evil. Very Sauron, those people's criticism, the people that say that there's only simplistic good and simplistic evil, they're right on one count. Sauron is pretty much purely simplistic evil. He's the desire to dominate and destroy, and he's he, also he never appears as a body inside of the books. So the characters that we actually hear talking and interacting are way more nuanced. There's a yeah. lot more gray. There are a lot more real. I don't care about gray at a certain point. Yeah. I just care about real. So there are a lot more real. And uh, Saruman, we lose that with this simplistic version of Saruman. Now, having said that, I'm not going to give it a one, flat one, because my my number is 1.5, Jonathan. And the reason is because um, I give it a little bit of grace because of the fact that um, Saruman was Sauron's vassal. So that, so that um, you know, when it, when push came to shove, Sauron yeah. bowed to Sauron and his and his and his lieutenants. And so and so there was a there, there's a part of that Sith apprentice, a small part of that Sith apprentice personality that was not inaccurate to the That's right. Um, That's right. But but it, but overall it was a it was they missed the boat massively by by um, not giving Sauron the nuance that he had and that's why I give it a such a low score overall. I agree. What's weird is I'm going to be higher than you because I think the, the, the whole idea like he was still he wasn't totally beholden to Sauron, but they they didn't so they didn't get like so they didn't get wrong though that he was somewhat beholden to him. One because he mentioned right the the, the ring rates they they came by and he's he has the palantir and he knows these things and so there he is answer, some he truth, answers to them, he answers yeah. to him. He's simply not like you pointed out, Mixer. There's not an orc that comes in and says what orders from Mordor, master. And like no, that's that's not right. Um, I'm going to go 1.9. Hmm. Um, Look at you all positive and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are. 1.9 is positive. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think it could have, I, I mean, they could have made him worse. I, uh, and that's part that's of fair. the way that it goes. But it was, it was a change that I think made the film worse where they actually could have made the villain better by doing yep. what Tolkien wrote rather than changing yep. it to make him a complete uh, subjugated um, villain to the uber villain. So, yeah. Alrighty. 
All right, that is that's three guys, three this week. It's a lot to do. We might cut it down to two because these do get a little bit longer, and there's there is preparation involved. But we'll 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 jump into uh, our extended podcast right after this. Um, Mixer, good having you with us. Uh, Thank where, you so much for having me on. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, if you want to hear more of him, please become a member at thewonder.com/slash member. We're going to go in our extended podcast. We've got a few questions from our members. Uh, you can join us on Discord there. Also check and out his podcast. questions as well. And I was going to say. Uh, Mixer, your podcast. What's the best way to find you? I'll put links below uh, to Apple Podcasts and everything. Still, still on uh, Apple and Spotify right now. Really, okay. um, yeah. I, we are exploring other other things. I do have a Discord, okay. um, but that's oh, sweet. I have to post the link to that on my on my Twitter. Yeah, um, and then on Twitter as well. Like, I'll I'll make sure we link to that too. You can follow him. He's got like forty five million followers. Now. <laughs> uh, we have fun, you know, don't we, boys? We have fun. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> your following is really hilarious so yeah for a good time <laughs> follow middle earth mixer uh on twitter so guys we're going to jump into our extended podcast and uh i'll see you on the other side goodbye goodbye Bye, freeloaders there thank you michael i'm sorry i just can't it's not right unless you say it <laughs>